Hallelujah. Wasn't that beautiful? So good. That was simply amazing harmony. Did you see why we did it? You figured that out, right? You connected the title of the day, Harmony, to uh, this, this vocal group up here singing in perfect, perfect harmony, a beautiful, beautiful song. You notice they didn't ask me to sing? They said, you just play back there. Don't you sing anything. Uh, but you know, the, the amazing, and Josh, you were amazing. Seriously, yes. dude, you yes. were amazing on that song. Yes. All you guys were. And the amazing thing about harmony is when you hear it, it's a beautiful thing, isn't it? I mean, when you hear disharmony, it's agonizing. But when it's just, you know, the melody is solid and then there's these layers of uh, harmony on top of it, which you just heard. Each part has this beautiful piece that like, oh, you need that part to make it sound so beautiful. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. And, and here's, the, here's the amazing thing about uh, harmony that you know, it takes two people. You can't harmonize by yourself. I mean, you can try, you know, but it's got to be layered. It's got to be one layering a beautiful melody on top. So I thought, I've got Ann up here, and she's got me, and I got you, babe. So I thought maybe we could, we could sing a song oh, together. That's got a little harmony from the 60s. Here you go, honey. I got you a wig. And I got me a wig. There you go. Hi. Bone, Sony Bone. Here, you need your bike. So here we go. Here you go. It doesn't feel right yet. Oh yeah, Cher was a lot taller than Sonny. <laughs> I'm ready when you are, Cher. They say we're young and we don't know, but won't find out until we grow. Get down from there. <laughs> I don't know. That's all true, but you got me. I got you, babe. I got you, babe. I got you, babe. Big finale. I got you, babe. All right, that was crazy. I'm going to do... Me do this. I just want you to. I know. did. I made her do it. She was not going to do this. I mess up my hair. Oh, I can't get it off my. Oh mind. no! I knew this was going to mess you up. I don't have that problem. I'm wearing this the rest of the day. What do you think? This is me in college right here, baby. I thought I was so cool walking around campus. Put my helmet on. The hair is floating back, and I flip my little bang around. Uh, all right, we're done. That was was that stupid? That was stupid. Yes. I don't think we'll do it the third service. What do you think? Yes or no? Yes? Oh, oh you guys, you're enabling this. Yeah. What is happening? Yeah, I told you, honey. I told you. They just want us to look like idiots again. All right. Here, let's see. You look good. You look really good. Thanks. Doesn't do anything to me. But All right, so obviously having a little fun with this whole harmony thing, but here, here's sort of the, the, the dream of harmony is like, think about, think about Sonny and Sharon. Some of you don't even know who they are, right? <laughs> yeah, really. Go YouTube it. You can watch exactly what we did. A lot better. But, um, you know, they were this couple in America. They had their own show, and everybody loved them. And they could sing in harmony, but they couldn't live in harmony. I don't know how long they were married, but they got divorced, and it didn't work. And that's the thing about harmony. It's easier to sing harmony than to live in harmony. And right? you probably see that it affects every single area. except It affects our marriages, our friendships, our work 
our church, it affects everything. And when it's not going well, it's like we, we don't even want to be a part of it because it just feels bad. Yeah, and I, and I would almost say this. Disharmony is common to all relationships. All relationships, all relationships, marriage, family, work environment, school, they all can drift toward disharmony. Harmony is work. It really is. Because here's the thing, and I think you agree with this. Write this down if you want. It'll come up on the screen. Conflict or disharmony, we're using those two words interchangeably, conflict is common to all relationships. Am I right? All relationships. I know there's this young couple sitting out there. They're about to get married in a month. They're like, not us. We're going to get along so well. And every married person's like, just wait. You know, just wait. I want to say that at the wedding when I'm doing weddings as a pastor, but I, leave, I let that go. I don't want to ruin their wedding day. But I know what you and I know that eventually they're going to have conflict, right? And it's going to be hard to work through because conflict is a part of every relationship. It is at some point a part of it. And to get to harmony takes a lot of work. It really does, right? But, but it can also make it better because oh. when it's working together, it sounds beautiful, yeah. looks beautiful. Yeah, it's awesome. And you don't know this, but that group that just did Hallelujah spent hours yesterday working on that harmony. That doesn't just happen. You've got to work to go from disharmony to harmony in a song, but more importantly, in life. And so here's the big truth for today, because the thing that makes harmony hard is conflict. And, I, and I'll just say it this way. The health and future of all relationships is determined by how we handle conflict. I really believe that. The health and the future, the health of your relationship, whether it's marriage, with your kids, in your Friends. workplace, school, you name it, anywhere, team, the health of that in the future, right now, in the future, is how do we do moving from disharmony when it comes, conflict when it comes, to get to harmony? Because here's what I know. Everybody knows how to have conflict. Seriously, very few people know how to resolve conflict. Nobody teaches us this. You don't learn this in school. It's just something you have to actually work through and figure out. So today, all we want to do is walk you back through a passage that's in the book of Ephesians, this whole series. There's one more week next week called Victory. It's a four-week series out of the book of Ephesians, a book in the New Testament that uh, uh, the apostle Paul wrote to a church he started in a city called Ephesus. And he says, I'm going to teach you what to believe. That's the first three chapters. And then the last three chapters, right at the halfway point, he says how to behave. So how to take what is true doctrinally and theology and, uh, and belief, first three chapters, who is God, who are you, what's our identity as a child of God, then how do we live this out? I want to take you to chapter four. It's the first verse of how he says, okay, now that you know what, who you are and how, what, your, what, your, what your identity is, how do you live it out? Look what he says. Verse 4, verse 1, he says, as a prisoner for the Lord. By the way, let me just ask you a question. I know you'll get this right. Where was Paul when he wrote this letter? In prison. He's not typing, talking hypothetical. He was in prison for the Lord. All he had to do was shut up and quit saying Jesus rose from the dead, and they would have let him go free, but he wouldn't shut up because he saw the risen Christ. He says, as a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you, so this isn't a suggestion. This is very, very important, to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Now, you and I have not read through uh, Ephesians 1 through 3, but they had. And so they understand what he means by calling you have received. We know who our father is. We know who we are. We know what our identity is. He says, now live a life worthy of that. Well, I would say this too. Like every single one of you have received a calling. Like every single, you may not, I haven't received a calling, but you have. Every one of us has. And so you're thinking, okay, what would it look like to live a life worthy of that? And I would never have thought to go where Paul goes. Yeah. He goes directly to this, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Hmm. Where does he go? Straight to relationships and character. And love. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, 
So to live a life that honors God, it isn't just love God, it's love others. How? Humbly, patiently, bearing with one another. It's really interesting. The actual word for bearing with one another means to put up with something annoying or harmful. You know what that means? Other people. Because I know you're just like me. I'm not annoying or harmful, but they are. Of course, they're thinking that about you. And he says, bear with one another in love. So that means love people that are annoying, love people that are different than you, love people that bug you humbly and gently. You know what he's saying? That should be the picture of what? The community of God. Another word for that is the church. And then he goes on to say this. He says, make every effort not some effort, every effort to keep the what? Unity, that's another word for harmony, unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There should be peace in this body. There is one body, one spirit. You were called to one hope. You were called uh, to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who is over all and through all and all. See the word one there a lot? We talked about it two weeks ago. Unity is sort of, there should be a unity between us and other denominations and other faiths. Remember that two weeks ago? There's this unity that, you know, every faith, we come together around Jesus Christ. Now he's talking about the church, inside the church. There should be harmony inside the church. You know the thing that turns people that are outsiders off the most of the church? Is disharmony among church people. I don't think they can understand it. Like, wait, wait. Don't you all believe in Jesus? Don't you understand who your father is? Don't you understand who you are? You can't get along with your brothers and sisters? I'm not interested. I don't think they walk away because they lose their faith. I think they walk away because they don't see harmony in the church. And so Paul's saying, man, this is what harmony should look like. And then he gets real specific later in the chapter. He says, okay, I'm going to tell you exactly how to get to harmony. And there's three thoughts in this one verse that, I'm, that we're going to sort of lay out for you. And I call them the three notes of harmony. You know, we're talking about harmony. I know it's cute. You know, sing a note. So the three notes of harmony. And here it is in first one. He says, instead, speaking the truth, verse 15 of chapter 4, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. So what's he say? First thing, three notes of harmony. The first one is what I call, it's not a word, I made it up, but it's called truthing. Go ahead, write this down. I know you're like, what in the world? That's not a word. I know it's not a word. Here's what it means. He says, speak the truth in love. Here's what Paul means. If you're going to get to harmony, there needs to be truth spoken among one another. But at the same time, he's insinuating there should also be truth received when somebody speaks to you the truth. So that's why I call it truthing. It's receiving and giving. Okay, you get it? So that's what I mean by truthing. It isn't just speaking the truth. It's also when somebody that loves you and cares for you speaks truth to you, will you receive it? Because he says, if you do, what will happen? You will grow to maturity in Christ. Now, here's the amazing thing about this. It is really hard in relationships when there's a conflict to speak and receive truth. Am I right? Yeah. Really hard. And it's really hard to do it in love. You know, it's interesting. When Ann and I got married 38 years ago, we had no idea how much conflict we would have in our marriage. Well, we didn't know anything about this. Like, Nothing. Honestly, I just thought, I'm a, I'm a quick processor and I'm a verbal processor. So when there's a conflict or conversation, if it came into my head, it came out of my mouth. Are any of you like that? Like, oh, you just, you just say it. You just speak it. And so for Dave and I, I didn't realize how that would cause some real problems because I didn't have any kind of a filter over that. And so um, we were in this, we've shared this before. Yeah, we here. shared this. Uh, we just wrote a marriage book. It's coming out in January. It's chapter five of the book, the story we're going to tell you. Many of you have heard this story, but it was a moment where early in our marriage, three months, maybe four months we're in. three months, yeah. And again, we didn't prepare for marriage. How stupid is that? 
Couples do it all the time, 40 grand, 20 grand on their wedding, nothing on preparation. Then they get married and it doesn't work and they don't know why. It's like, duh, you got to prepare. You got to spend as much. Anyway, we didn't do that either. So we get married. I have no idea there are patterns of conflict and I have an avoider pattern. I don't like conflict. I just avoid it. She has a, she sort of likes to roll up her sleeves and get in there. I attack the problem and the person. That's kind of how (laughs) I saw it. Like, let's go, let's get into this. And so I am a great truther. I didn't wrap it in love. I just spoke the truth. And so Dave and I are in I this I call fight. her the sermonizer. That's what she is. The sermonator. <laughs> the sermonator. So, so here we are. We're at her parents' house. They're all gone. Summer. Windows are open. Uh, by the way, we're going on staff to become missionaries, okay? So we're in the town there raising our financial support for that. And we're we 19, get, 19 and 22. We get in this fight. Yeah. And again, I don't know this is my pattern, but as it gets heated, I'm like, I'm out of here. It's our That's first That's what I always fight. did. So I literally get up and start walking out of the family room through the kitchen. And as I'm walking, she yells from I, the family room. I'm shocked that he's leaving the room. Like, we're right in it, right? We're right in it. And he, go, he does this, like, <laughs> and he just walks out of the room. I don't remember that part. I do. Okay. And so <laughs> I, I stand up, and I'm like, where are you going? Come back here and fight me, fight me like a man, you chicken. <laughs> like, why did I have to keep going with it, you know? That is exactly what she said. Come back here and fight me like a man, you chicken. That is chapter five. That's the title of the chapter five. You can pre-order this on Amazon. So anyway, oh, I hear God. that. And, I, and again, when I hear that, I'm like, oh, you want me to fight like a man? I turn around. I don't think. I would never do this today, but 38 years ago, I literally walked to the edge of the kitchen. And I go, oh, yeah, well, bleep you. And took off. Sort of like, you want to know what a man does? That's what a man does. Now, here's what I, I never even realized it in the moment. You know what I did there? exactly what I saw my dad do when my mom and he fought. And guess how those fights ended? Abuse and divorce. Alcohol, adultery. That's why I was a voider of conflict. I see what conflict does. It never ends well. I never realized the Bible even says the sins of your father will visit down unless you stop it. I copied my dad. I said, blank you, and left. Which I was so upset then. I never cursed, but all of a sudden I heard these words coming out of my mouth and I'm like, well, bleep, bleep you. She cursed twice. And I remember, I remember turning around and go, you sinner. And I'm out. I mean, I could not believe what I was hearing. I never heard something like that come out of her mouth. And so I was out. And guess what she does? She follows me up the stairs. I went up to this bedroom and I shut the door. She pushes the door open. We sit down just like this. We're on like, the bed. Like, we have to talk about this. And I'm like, no, what are you doing? I'm like pushing her away. Like, see, I, I didn't even know it at that point. I had never probably in my life ever once take, gone from disharmony to harmony, never once tried to resolve a conflict. I always avoided. And I thought that's the way you deal with conflict. Just avoid it. It goes away. Yeah, that's a really good way to deal with it. It doesn't go away. So here we are. Now we got to resolve this thing 38 years ago. Guess what? We did. And here we are 38 years later, more in love today than we were that day. Yeah. Or that on our wedding day. Yeah. Which I would have told you that's never possible. Here's one of the reasons why. You ready for this? She spoke the truth. Not Not, not not love. (laughs) It wasn't in love. But she spoke the truth to me, basically saying, you avoid conflict. No, I don't. And I walked away. (laughs) That happened many times until I realized she's right. And one of the beautiful things about relationships, and it's definitely true about Christian marriage, is God gives you a partner to sharpen and shape you into what? To become like Christ, to become the mature body of Christ. Here, God was using her to point out something in my life I didn't even know, 
But eventually, I received that truth rather than getting defensive and arrogant and saying, you're wrong, I'm right. I finally one day like, oh my gosh, she's given me a gift. By the way, I always call it that. When somebody speaks the truth to you, somebody that loves you, that cares about you, it's not trying to hurt you, but trying to make you better. You need somebody in your life to do that. When they speak the truth and you receive it rather than saying, no, that's not true. I'm not that guy. When you receive it, what happens? You grow. And I look back on that, even that conflict that God was using her to speak the truth to make me a better man, a better husband, a better dad, a better leader, because I was an avoider. I think about, and we need those friends in our lives. We need people. We need parents. We need our kids. My friend Michelle's here, and a couple weeks ago, somebody made a comment like, oh, you're fierce. And I remember walking with Michelle and saying, somebody said I was fierce. I feel that's a bad thing. Do I need to know something about myself? Like, oh, tell me the truth of that. Is there something that I need to, that I have a blind spot? It's like that Michelle's I need to see? a mirror. Yeah. To go, is God that is, true? our friends are, our kids and husbands. And she told you the truth. Yeah. And the funny thing is, I've been telling her that the whole time, and she wouldn't believe me, but she <laughs> believes Michelle, you know? Fierce means you're, 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 you're just, you're just, you go after things. It's, it was a compliment. But it was, it was a gift to hear the truth. Now, here's the thing. I have men in my life, one of them is Michelle's husband, that I've been walking with for over 20 years. Guys, you need men in your life who love you enough and care about you enough who will speak truth that you can receive it from. Women, you need women in your life. You can't do this Christian life alone. And let me tell you, you need couples in your life. You need people Friends. in community. And if you're at Kensington and you have not connected yet with that, we have it here for you. This is a big church that you can get lost in. So that's why we have small groups for marriage, for singles, you name it. We've got a group that if you have the courage to step into and you think, I don't know anybody here, within a week or two or five, you will find men and women, couples, that will become those people when they speak truth receive it. Now, here's the hardest thing about truth. It's truth thing because you got to speak it, but you also got to receive it. But when you speak it, what did Paul say? You go back to Ephesians 4, 15. He says, speak the truth how? In love. In love. And so the second note of harmony is not just truth thing, it's loving. They're all, the three are I-N-G words. Loving means you package it, you wrap it in a way they can receive it, right? Right. And I think for, for me, that was because of my family's patterns of how we did it. We just said stuff. None of it was wrapped. There's no wrapping. There's no <laughs> tape. There's no ribbons. It's just out there. And so it was really hard for me to learn how to do that. Like, Lord, what does that look like to speak the truth in love? That love part was hard. And I could tell I was constantly disrespecting Dave, our sons. I was just doing that a lot. And so I asked God, please show me. See, please teach me. And so I got in this pattern that I made this commitment, like, Lord, I'm going to try when I'm about to say something, I'm going to stop, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go to you first. So go to God first. So I just got into this pattern like, before you say it, stop, go to God first. And so Dave and I, he came home this one night. He was talking about how yeah, he was struggling. It was early in the beginning of Kensington. It was 1990, and we'd been married about 10 years. And back then, we had what we called, in, we had programs, and we had little CR cards. It basically was a prayer request card. If you wanted us to pray or our prayer team to pray for you, you could write it in there and put it in the offering or hand it in. Well, what those cards became, people didn't write prayers down. They wrote critiques down anonymously. And it started to pile up. Like they'd just rip anything they didn't like, you know, and most of it was me. And so there was a period about three or four months, I got all these critiques of my messages and my pants were too long. I am not kidding. Um, 
you know, uh, you get too big in your sermon. I mean, everything. It was just, man, I would read them. I shouldn't have read them if they're anonymous, but I did. It's, now, today, it's called Twitter. <laughs> and Facebook. You know, we just do the same thing anonymously. But back then, there was that thing. So they write it, and they get it, and they hand them to me. And so I was getting really discouraged. I mean, I would be walking toward the stage to preach, and I'd be losing confidence, like, wow, people don't really even want me to preach. Mm-hmm. And so I shared that with Anne. I didn't share it with very many people, but I shared that with her. And you had something to tell me. Well, remember, I was working on my stuff. <laughs> and Dave and I, um, we weren't in a great spot right then. We were really struggling in our 10-year spot, and we were struggling. And so that's when I really made that commitment, God, I'm not going to let it come out of my mouth. So Dave shared all that. It was really, like, it was super vulnerable. And the first thing that came that I was going to say was, if you would spend more time with Jesus, your sermons would probably be better. <laughs> Who is, oh my gosh, that would be crushing, right? So it's like, okay, no, no, no. Go to, go to God first. Hashtag go to God first. And um, no, it's hashtag GTGF. Oh, that's good. You don't hashtag that whole thing. Just GTGF. I'm old, I know nothing. GTGF. So anyway, so I go to God first. And here's my question. God, should I say anything? That alone, because sometimes God just doesn't even want us to say anything. And then I said, like, do you want me to share this? And if so, what should I say? How should I say it? This is the love part, the packaging part. And I would say, you're, maybe you're thinking like, how's God speak to you? God speaks to us in a lot of different ways. He speak, speaks through us through his word and the scriptures, people. Hey, by, by the way, I'll make a plug right now. September 5th, which is our next midweek here at Orion and a couple Wednesdays from now, that's what I'm teaching. Yeah. We're on this journey in our midweek about it's how do you so hear the good. voice of God? I'm going to walk through four ways that God talks to you, but... So, so yeah. I mean, Anne was just, she didn't hear an audible voice. It no. wasn't like, God, Anne, here's what I want. It wasn't that. But I had a thought come instantly to my mind. And that's, God speaks me, to me a lot that way. And I would say this, God wants to speak to all of us. He is. He's, He's talking always right talking. Now. He's probably been talking to you your whole life and you haven't recognized his voice. But James, in the book of James 1, he's, James is saying, if any of you lacks wisdom, have you ever felt like that? Oh my gosh, I need help. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously to, to anyone and all who asks. So I'm like, okay, God, I'm asking. I need wisdom. How should I say this? Should I say it? And so this thought pops into my mind and I say it today. And here's the amazing thing. This is years ago. And I remember that like it was yesterday. In fact, what she said was so powerful, I wrote it down. Here's what she said. It's right here in my notes. She said, it must be unbelievably hard to be responsible for thousands of people's spiritual life and growth. I can't imagine how heavy of a burden that is to carry, and you do it so well. God is using you in mighty ways despite what a few people think. I think you're amazing. That's what she said. It was a miracle. It was, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know that was God speaking to her because she wouldn't have said that, right? <laughs> but it was like, a, you guys, like if we tap in, God's always wanting to talk to us. And here's what God does. When God speaks to us, he's usually affirming us, even when it's truth. It's still in love. It's not in condemnation and it's not in accusation. He's always pulling the best out of us. An amazing thing is I remember what I said in response. Oh, my, here's the Remember amazing this? thing, too. This was like, I didn't even know what Dave would think of it. And like, after I said, I'm like, oh, gosh, that was good, God. Way to go. And Dave grabs me, and he pulls me into his arms. And he whispers in my ear, you are my life. 
And so for me, like, look at the difference. We can speak the truth, but when we don't wrap it in love, do you see the consequence? When we speak the truth when we, and we take it like, God, should I speak the truth? Go to God first. He gives us words that will encourage, that will build up. And you know what it brings? Harmony. Hmm. It brought us together. Yeah, and, it's a, and it is true. You know this. When somebody that doesn't know you well speaks something positive to you, to you it feels good, but you're like, they don't know me. Mm, that's good. But when somebody knows you deeply, like Ann does, fully, speaks life, it means everything. That's why I responded like you are my life, because that gave me the confidence that I needed that when I walked on the stage at Troy campus back in the day, I felt confident because the woman that saw all my flaws knows more negatives about me than anybody, sees in me greatness. And that came from God giving her what Cody calls God goggles. Remember that midweek? She could see me the way God sees me, and it enabled me to see me that way. And it's like, oh my gosh, that was truth in love. And let me just make one quick footnote. If you go to God first, if you stop and say, okay, God, what should I say? How should I say it? When should I say it? That's should a good I even question. say it? When should I say it? It's a good question. You ask that, and trust me, God will speak. But if you hear negative, tell them they're an idiot. Tell them they're a loser. It's not God. Yeah. Don't go, God told me you're a loser. Nope. <laughs> God would not say it that way. Ever. There's critique they need to hear. There's hard truth they need to hear, but it's always going to bring life. It's still, I mean, trust me. Did I hear in her words, man, my walk with Jesus is the foundation of every sermon? Yep. And she never said it. Mm. And yet it was packaged in there because it was so gentle and so loving. It brought life to me to make me better. It was amazing. And that's, that's the speak the truth in love. Mm. Now, here's the last one. And it's right in the passage. I would call it this. Three notes of harmony, truthing, loving, and honoring. It's another I-N-G word, honoring. Mm. What's that mean? It's really interesting what he says at the end of this verse. He said, instead, speaking the truth in love, look at what he says. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. Now, I always try to do this with, with people just, just attend church. Look at what you're reading. Try to understand it. What is he saying? You got to dissect it a little bit. It's called hermeneutics or uh, 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 teaching exegetically. It's like pull out of the text what's there. Put that back up. What is he saying we will become? We will become the mature what? Body of who? Who's him? Of Jesus, who is the head that is Christ. He clarifies it. So what's he saying? He isn't just talking about you and me individually maturing, which is part of it, but he's saying what? He's saying we, the body of Christ, will mature together. How, what's he saying? When you speak the truth in love, when you love people, and when you honor people that are different than you, what happens? You start to live in harmony. Why? Because they're different. They're maybe even annoying, and you're like, I'm going to celebrate their unique differences, their diversity, and you honor that, and it brings the family, the, the community of God together to maturity, and that will change the world. Here, here's my big idea as I think about this all week is that the church of harmony is the church of world impact. Yeah. I want to call Kensington the Harmony Church. <laughs> I, I, stupid. You know, but I mean, it's like, man, what would it be like if we lived in harmony? It's really interesting. The word honor, you know what it means in the Hebrew? I love Hebrew because it's so visual. It means to bend the knee. When you honor someone, the visual is you don't get on your knees, but you have a posture of reverence, of bending the knee. Who do we bend our knee to? People that are like important, people that we consider important, we bend the knee to. We show honor, and there's a sense of, <gasps> it's all your jaw drops when you're in the presence of somebody very valuable. 
I said in the first service, I said, yell out the name of a celebrity that you would be like, <gasps> somebody yell one out. Who would it be? First word I heard, somebody over there goes, Beyonce. I'm like, oh, okay. I wasn't thinking that. But uh, for some people, that might be, <gasps> you know, but I was thinking somebody that you just consider very valuable comes in a room and you don't expect them. It just happens. You're like, oh. <gasps> LeBron James is here, or I don't know, you know, the president, well, okay, somebody really important is here, you go, you know, it's just this sense of honor, what do we call a judge, the honorable judge, it's a position of power, you don't have to like someone to honor them, do you hear what I just said there, Mm. yo, I don't even like them, it doesn't matter, they are a human being created in the image of God, honor them, that's good, so here's the thing, what would the church look like? What would your family look like? Your family. What would your place of business? What would your school? Everything. Yeah. I was just thinking, he's talking about this body right yeah. here. Yeah. What would we look like? If people walked in here that have never been here, and there's some here today. A couple of years ago, we, we found out about 10% of our weekend audience are first-time people. That's thousands of people at our campuses. Let me ask you something. What do they feel right now? Do they feel honored? Do they feel loved? Seriously. Because God loves everyone. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what's been done to you, he sees you and he celebrates you. And he's so glad, like, welcome. And we could be a church that does that. It's interesting. A couple midweeks ago, some of you were there. I'm going to make Ann tell this story again, even though some of you heard it, but most of you didn't hear the story. She shared a story at the end of the service when Cody, Cody was talking about putting on your God goggles and seeing people the way God sees them. And I had never heard the story. I'm getting ready to play in the band that night. I'm like, wow, what an amazing story. And it's a perfect picture of honor. Well, I sound like I'm the most messed up person ever, but I was, it was a phase when you guys go have gone through this probably where you're not in harmony with your family, with your kids or your parents or someone. And so I was struggling with our three sons. They're all teenagers. And I just felt like I was seeing them, not through God goggles, I was struggling. Like, and so I was so frustrated in this phase, I think we had one in college, two in high school, that I went on this walk to blow off steam and to vent to God. And so I'm telling God, are you seeing this in our home? Are you seeing what CJ's doing in Austin and Cody? Like, this is driving me crazy. Isn't it driving you crazy? So I'm having this conversation with God and I'm so frustrated. I vent all of the things that I'm not that I'm frustrated about with our sons. And so I'm like, okay, and you know what, God? You tell me to come to you first. Well, I'm here. Here I am, and I guess here's what I need. I need your eyes to see them with. So if you have anything good to say, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to hear it now, because how do you see it? See them, because I'm not seeing much good in there. And I'm telling you, it's when you're, you're in church, and I'm like, this is dumb or boring, and in the attitude, and like, are you seeing this? This must be my fierce side. Um, And so as I'm walking, I said, all right, let's start with CJ. And I'm walking. I'm going fast. I can't even describe it because I don't always have this where it's like, like I know this is God. I know he's speaking to me because these thoughts are coming through my head so fast. And that's how God speaks to us. It's just our own thoughts, but they're, they're cascading. God's thoughts are cascading through my own. And I have this surprising, I hear this in my head. Isn't CJ the most delightful and unique human being you've ever seen? And I'm like, wait, what? See, oh, wait, wait, are we talking about CJ? And, he's, and this is, I hear this in my head, that's why I know it's not me. 
And he said, he's just like Nathaniel. There's no guile in him. Can I just tell you, I've never used the word guile in my life. <laughs> like, what is guile? I wrote a, a seminary paper on it, actually, about how Jesus called Nathaniel to be one of his disciples. And when Jesus saw Nathaniel, he said, Nathaniel, in who there's no guile or deceit or fakery. He's just who he is. And that is That is CJ. so our oldest son. I'd be he's, like, pretend to be nice. He's pretend such a delight. He, he, he is, is such a delight. He doesn't care what anybody thinks. He doesn't try to. He just. Yes, it's, it's beautiful. I mean, when she said that's what God said, like, yeah, that wasn't you. That wasn't me. Yeah. That was God. That's a beautiful we, thing. And we love that about him. And then I went through Austin. He said all these great, amazing things about Austin. And this is weird. And I felt like he said his greatness, like he's going to be this amazing father. He's like 17 at the time. Like, wait, is this something happening? Like, <laughs> you know, he's 17. He's going to be this great father. And, and wait till you see his kids. There's going to be such greatness in him. And I thought, well, that's weird. Who knows if that was God? And it's so interesting because Austin and Kendall got married tried to have kids, and they had three miscarriages in a row. And I always clung to that, like, oh, but I felt like, I hope that was God that said he's going to have these amazing kids. And we didn't know if it would be through adoption of their own or foster or whatever, and now they have two of their own, and they're fostering to adopt, and we'll have more adopted babies. And they are, Austin is amazing. 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 And their kids are amazing. And then I got to Cody. And some of you have heard Cody. He just preached here last weekend. And I was like, Lord, what are we going to do about Cody? <laughs> like, oh, my God. He sits in church like, this sounds stupid. What are we doing? I'm like, what is he doing on Friday night? And then, you know, he's just stressed as a parent. And I felt this sense that there was this heaviness of like, I can't even describe. It was like, what is his middle name? And I said, Joshua. He will be a leader among leaders. He will lead my people. His passion will go out for me, and he will have the heart of David that will be a heart that seeks after me with all of his heart. And the passion that I put in him, the things that are frustrating you now, I will use it to transform himself (laughs) and people around him. And I was like, seriously, Cody? (laughs) Cody? And you guys, I'm telling you, I came home. And I had to be before God continually. God, what do you see in them? What do you see in my friends? What do you see in Dave? And here's what I started doing. I started seeing the greatness in them. Mm. I started looking at CJ. I'm like, you're delightful. He's like, what? (laughs) He's like, look at you. You're amazing. Like, I'm so amazed. And and Austin and Cody, Cody, you're such a leader. I see that leader and that passion. God's going to use it to transform people. He's like, what? And I'm telling you, we all have it. You have it in you. Yep. Your kids, your friends, your coworkers at church, let's call it out of each other. <laughs> because there's an enemy of our soul in our community that they're speaking death to us, yep. aren't they? Yep. They're speaking hopelessness, anxiety, stress. You're nothing. You're nobody. Social media is just blaring it. And God is saying, you're mine. <laughs> you're mine. I've called you by name. I created you with your purpose. Call it out of each other. Go, girl. <laughs> that was awesome. Seriously. Yeah, I mean, so, so you take all this and you say, okay, what do I do? I'll tell you what you do. This is a perfect day to talk about this. You believe it. First three chapters of Ephesians, what do I believe? And then what do you do with that belief? You act. What's that mean? Step forward and play your role. God's given you a note to sing that brings harmony to this, this place. It's called the church body, the community of God. It's called church. He wants you not just to sit anymore. 
But to say, I've got something to contribute. I've got something that I can sing and bring this and create harmony. And guess what? Many are doing that here. They're called volunteers and they serve and many are serving you even right now. But man, when you bring that to the table and say, I can sing a note, I can play in this, this thing called the kingdom of God, amazing things happen. And so here's what I want to tell you. I really mean this. Some of you that have never stepped forward, today's your day. We're going to give you an action step. We're going to watch a video and then tell you very practically where we would invite you to uh, take an area to serve. But I'm telling you something. When you decide, I'm no longer just going to be a spectator who watches at church, but I'm going to actually volunteer to serve in some area that I'm good at and that I like doing. See, I grew up in church. You had to do the worst things. and You don't like kids. Go work with them for five years. That's not what God wants. God has uniquely made you with gifts and passions that we need, and there's a job with your name on it. You'll get paid nothing, zero. <laughs> it's a volunteer job. But, but when, when you do it, oh, you're oh, so filled up. Oh, and you impact other people's lives, yeah. but they're not going to be half as impacted as your life will be transformed. You'll finally find your family. Oh, that's good. You'll finally find this place as your home. If you just come and watch, it's going to let you down. At some point, you're like, Kensington's not good enough for me. Okay, go try another one. Until you say, I'm going to do something here rather than just watch. We need then you. Then it's going to happen. We need you to play your part. So, I mean, really, today is your day. You've got a card. I'll walk you through that in a second. Or you can do it digitally on our app. And again, I'll walk you through that in a second. But before that, I want to show you a video where Steve Andrews, who we all started Kensington together, is really just casting vision to say, this is what it could look like for you to join us and make a difference in the world. And we're going to receive our offering as you watch this video as well. And I just want to say thank you. So many of you, like 80% of you, give online. I mean, it's amazing that you just say, I'm so committed. I want this to come right out of my bank account every month. Others of you are our guests today. You're new. You don't have to give anything. But those of you that have never given and say, man, this is my church, today's your day to give as God speaks to you. Let's pray this for video. them. Go ahead. Father, thank you for these people, that you love them, we love them. Thank you for all the gifts and the strengths and all the wonderful things you've put in them. And Father, I pray that we would all go to you first and I pray that we'd call out the greatness in each other. We would see with your eyes, hear with your ears, and we would love the way you love unconditionally. We need you, Lord, we love you, we thank you. I pray that even as we listen to and sing these last songs that you would just stir in our hearts and ask God, where do you wanna use me? What do you want to say to me today? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.